Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, usually about 13, 14 minutes. That's all, but every day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word, and that helps us keep us focused on our relationship with God and upon our spiritual lives. It helps helps us to have a more positive mindset, spiritually focused mindset, to be able to deal with life every day. Help people in your life to change their thinking, their focus, to start thinking about God, to start thinking about faith in Jesus Christ by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help them turn their life around by getting them into God's Word every day by sharing these short studies with them. Make that commitment today. We're going to get back to our line of thought and study. We're talking about three reactions to preaching the gospel. And these are real reactions. Now, we pick them up out of a context of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. And what are those three reactions on the part of a whole lot of people? In fact, pretty well covers all of humanity. Well, number one that Paul laid out was, well, the Jews preaching Christ and him crucified, being buried in the tomb, resurrected from that tomb. He said that was... Uh, that was a stumbling block to them. They weren't looking for that kind of a savior. They wanted a charismatic leader, maybe even a military leader, who could drive out the Roman army and restore the nation of Israel, the geographic nation of Israel, to its glory days, say, going back to Solomon and David. So, number one, it was a stumbling block, and it's a stumbling block to some people today. They have a hard time believing in Jesus, Number two, it was foolishness, foolishness to, to basically everybody who was not a Jew because they did not believe in God to begin with, almost all of them. They worshiped all kinds of idols. So the idea of somebody dying physically, being buried in a tomb, and then being resurrected alive physically, yeah, that was foolishness to them. That was absurdity. Nobody can come back from the dead. That's their, their, that was their thought. But then the more profound reaction, number three, Paul said, but to those, to those who believe, to those who have accepted, to those who have embraced the gospel message of salvation, forgiveness, eternal life through Jesus Christ, oh, it's the power of God. It's Christ. It's understanding who he is, our Savior, the Lord, God the Son, the resurrected Savior, the power of God. And the Apostle Paul wrote in his Romans letter, in Romans 1 and verse 16, that very statement. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Wow. Where are you? Which one of these reactions would identify you in your response to the gospel message being preached. Well, as we pointed out, there are some people, they just, they don't want to hear it. Many, and the number is growing of those who would identify themselves as being atheists or agnostics or skeptics, and I'm talking about even in our nation, the United States of America, let alone around the world. They don't believe in God to begin with, so they're sure not going to believe in Jesus. So 
their, the first reaction, he's not our Savior. He's not our Savior because we don't, we either we don't believe in God, so we're not going to believe in the Bible, and we're not going to believe then in this man the Bible identifies as being Jesus as our Savior. We looked at Psalm 19 and verse 1, and here the psalmist wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Well, as I pointed out, and we've gone into in previous lessons during in, in our today's Bible class studies, we've talked about how what we see in the universe around us, the synchronous nature of how it all works together, much less if we looked at how our world, the earth, this physical planet on which we live with all of its life forms and all of its different systems, including the atmosphere around us, unique from everything else we know in the universe, if we see that, and then even more so, if we focus on physical life, and particularly that of humanity, how all of the different systems of the human body work in such a synchronous fashion, interdependent upon one another and supporting one another, if we don't understand that none of that could have happened except by the design and the creation of an overriding power, and that power being God, then we're blind. We simply refuse to believe. The evidence is all around us. The fingerprints of God can be seen everywhere. But some people say, no, he's not our Savior. Don't believe in God. I'm sure not going to believe in this man, Jesus. Now, most of those who would say, would, would say, well, yeah, historically, we understand he read there was a man named Jesus, but he was a fraud. He, they just refuse to believe. Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Again, to see all of the evidence of God all around us, to see our very nature as human beings understanding goodness and also evil, its opposite. How could we even have those concepts without God? How can you explain goodness without God? And I would emphasize, you cannot. And how do you understand evil? Except that its opposite is the obvious answer. God. God is absolute goodness. And so we see the opposite of God being evil. The evidence is all around us. And then we also look in Psalm 10. And verse 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And there are those people who simply have made up their mind. I do not believe in God. I will not believe in God. 
no matter what kind of evidence you try to present to me, I will not believe in God. And if I don't believe in God, I'm sure not going to believe in Jesus. And I'm sure not going to believe in the Bible as being the proof text, basically, for God's existence and the reality of Jesus being my Savior. Just not going to believe. Now, I've said many times, somebody who takes that approach, they are living an absolutely hopeless life because there is no hope outside of God, none whatsoever. I want us to look at John chapter 5 and verse 36. Jesus is speaking. He says, but I have a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Now, when we read the first chapter of John's gospel account of Jesus, John confesses Jesus as the Savior, as the Son of God, the Messiah, I believe at least twice in that chapter. But in this fifth chapter of John's gospel account, Jesus said, I don't have to depend on John's confession. He says, I have one greater than John identifying me as being the Savior. And that's the very works that I do, the works that my Father sent me to do, the works that my Father has instructed me to perform. Those works verify that I am God the Son, the Son of God, the Savior come to earth. When Peter was preaching on Pentecost, he used the same line of reasoning. Jesus, those, that, that multitude of Jewish men gathered there on that Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended back to heaven, the church coming into existence on that very day, Pentecost, Peter preaching to that crowd of Jewish men. Many of them, if not most all of them, had heard about Jesus, but they had rejected him. And so Peter, his his sermon would be considered scathing today by a whole lot of people. In verse 22, he said, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. (laughs) They had heard about the miracles Some of them had probably seen some of the miracles that Jesus performed, and nonetheless, they rejected him. Peter said, you have no excuse. He taught the gospel. He fulfilled the prophecies from the Old Testament of the coming Savior. He died on the cross. He arose from the tomb. He was seen by hundreds and hundreds of of, of eyewitnesses after his resurrection. But even if you did not believe his message initially, The miracles, the signs, the wonders that he performed openly and repeatedly and even in your midst, you knew about those and you still rejected him. The apostle John wrote in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. I wonder how many more miracles Jesus performed that we don't have record of 
John goes on and says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, Peter said, you have no excuse. And so in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, he said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Your disbelief did not change the reality of who he is. We need to understand that today. So that first reaction to the preaching of the gospel, he's not our savior, either from an atheistic perspective or simply from somebody who says, well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus is the savior prophesied in Old Testament scriptures, repeatedly numerous scriptures, and he is the Savior come to earth. And his life upon this earth absolutely verifies that identity. We'll look at the second reaction next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to always keep our focus on you through Jesus Christ. Help us to help others see that he is our Savior and help us influence them to come to him for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Thank you for him, Father. Thank you for your love for us. Please forgive us and hear a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.